A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello and welcome. I'm Tim Farron and this is the show where you get to hear from a Christian who works either in or through the mucky business of politics. You might think politics is tainted by compromise and sin. Well, you'd be right, wouldn't you? But then again, so is everything else. And I think Christians should be praying for their brothers and sisters who are in politics and doing so in an informed way. Today, we're going to be joined by the Conservative peer, Lord Michael Farmer. We'll hear his amazing testimony and how that has impacted on his work in both finance and in politics. We'll discuss his attempts to see the government better support families across the country. But before that, I want to talk about concerns around the cost of living and its impact on families. Political decisions affect us all. Governments set tax and benefit levels, decide what to spend on public services and respond to economic shocks and longer term trends that affect our quality of life. When people are suffering, it often shows that something isn't working properly within our political system. After nearly two years of pandemic and the market disruption caused by separation from Europe, millions of people now face the dreadful choice between heating and eating. The cost of living is rising fast, seen clearly in increasing food prices and energy bills. At the same time, a national insurance rise and cuts in universal credit will see incomes fall further. This affects many of us directly and increases debt, anxiety and despair as people are unable to meet their family's needs. Poverty and deprivation are dreadful things and often go hand in hand with a sense of personal failure and assault on our dignity. It's a crushing experience. As Christians, we should care deeply about this crisis. But how do we apply the principles of our faith to tackling these issues? No human political ideology holds all the answers. Governments and political movements do not offer salvation. The Bible is clear that only Jesus can do that. But we still have a duty to tackle the poverty, hunger and injustice with which our world is rife. Jesus said we will always have the poor with us, yet he also told us to love our neighbour sacrificially. So he surely didn't mean us to simply shrug and leave it at that. We are to do to others what we would have done to us. And none of us is ever more than a couple of steps from the gutter. We cannot just close our eyes and pray for the second coming to hurry up and sort everything out. Whilst we are on this earth, God commands us to carry on his work, which encompasses every sphere. Jesus came to save souls, but in the Gospels, we also see him healing and feeding people. He hungered for justice. Indeed, justice runs as a major thread throughout the Bible, and God expects his people to enact it. Isaiah 59 says, the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. Churches are active in practical community work, running food banks, debt counselling and other services as an outworking of God's love. We may not label these actions as politics and indeed parts of the church are anxious that promoting a social gospel focused on physical needs is just a distraction from our need to repent and seek forgiveness through Jesus. But I think this is a false divide. In Acts 2, we see the early Christians giving to everyone who had need. And as part of the same process, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Before we realise the future hope promised in the Bible, where there will be no more death, suffering or corruption, we are given authority 
to enact justice and to seek society's welfare. God has not withdrawn from the mess that we have made of his creation. Instead, he invites us to work alongside him, to reflect his goodness into our broken world until one day he redeems all things. So how should Christians think about practical solutions? Well, there's no single Christian way to tackle these issues. In the UK, Christians find common cause with all the main political parties which approach matters differently. The right traditionally looks to individuals and private institutions, such as the church, family and voluntary groups, to care for the poor and redistribute resources. The left tends to believe that structural barriers hold people back and that the state must step in to address issues of poverty and inequality. Others, wisely in my view, think that we should deploy both approaches. And sadly, others still don't appear to give a hoot. That must not be said of Christians. As we seek to love our neighbour, we may suggest different approaches. We may be vocal in our disagreement, but the key point is that God wants us to engage and not step away. Let's seek to understand the issues, which are often more complex and nuanced than the news headlines suggest. Pray about them and ask for wisdom for those in leadership who are tasked with the great responsibility of pursuing justice in our nation today. The need of my neighbour is my business and my concern. Let's ask God for his help, intervention and guidance as we seek practical ways of meeting that need. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. So to our guest for today, the Conservative peer, Lord Michael Farmer. Michael, it's an absolute blessing to have you with us. Thank you very much, Tim. It's good to be with you. Well, let's start with, let's say, the most important thing, really. Um, you became a Christian, not very young, partway through your life. Tell me a little bit how that came about. Yes, well, um, I became actually a Christian at 35, but I, I was brought up, uh, I mean, I had a, a sort of, today I think it would almost be called a troubled family. Um, my father died an alcoholic when I was four, and my mother was an alcoholic, and, and it was, we, we had the sort of, um, uh, troubled background, and my, my sister had a very hard time. I, I had a, I ended up in a in, in a boarding house of a grammar school uh, in Wantage in Berkshire, and um, in a way that steadied me, and um, that was fine. Uh, Christian-wise, we were C of E, um, might occasionally go to church on Christmas Day, something like that, but nothing really. Um, uh, committed. I had a I had an aunt who was a missionary, and um, she was ridiculed by the rest of the family. Um, but she had been a missionary in Nepal and Kenya. She worked in leper colonies and like this. She gave me a Bible when I was about eight, and inside it was uh, I think Psalm 119, verse 18, which says, uh, um, uh, "Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things in your law." And that always sort of bemused me, that verse. I kept looking at it <clears throat> during the sort of difficult times of being a teenager and really wondering if I was going to survive in life, uh, frankly. Anyway, I um, started work uh, on the metal exchanges and eight pound a week clerk when I was 18. I got married at uh, 30 and it was really at 35, um, having worked my way up in the city and doing quite well, that... Um, we were we were living in the country and we were having our first child and um, I, I, various things happened. Here, here was a baby. So that, that was sort of, where did this come from? Um, secondly, there was all of the seasons in the countryside around. And 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 then there were 
there was a visit by our local vicar. Uh, he never mentioned God. I don't think he ever mentioned Jesus, but he visited us and we were out in the fields. Uh, and uh, I thought that that was a that was an interesting development. And there were various things going on like that. And I used to say the Lord's Prayer every now and then, but I had no relationship with, with Jesus. And then, frankly, I had one of those experiences when I'm, and I, I'm, I woke up in the middle of the night uh, and I just heard a, a voice say, Michael. And all I said was, yes, Lord. And in front of my eyes was Jesus Christ as the son of God. And I thought, this changes everything. It, it, it just changes the whole meaning of everything. And I have to, I have to start learning. I have to read the Bible. I have to go to church. I have to meet with people who believe. Um, I, I have to learn, you know. And it, I always say, say to people, if, if, if you want confirmation that it was the Lord, um, the next thought that came into my head was, when you go to this little church nearby from this, this vicar, don't let them make you treasurer. You need to learn. And, and that's exactly what they did do after about two months. They said, would you like to become treasurer? And I said, no. Um, but, 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 and this whole learning, learning about the Lord, I, you know, I ended up within six weeks, Tuesday lunchtime at St. Helens in the city, uh, where they had a sort of faithful Bible teaching ministry. And I thought, this is just what I need. Mm. And it was just great. And of course, one never stops learning about the Lord. You and know, you, the, go on. No, well, sorry, it's a wonderful, wonderful account. And I, and I, I know because you told me this before, <laughs> that you went to tell your aunt um, that you'd become a Christian and her reaction was interesting. Well, <clears throat> I had two aunts, actually. One was on my on my father's side who was who was an extreme atheist and um when i told her i was a christian it was on her birthday she said to me rather snootedly well you never got that from our side of the family <laughs> um and when i actually i went and told my aunt who was a missionary i used to go and visit her and she was living by herself in a in a little flat near, on on the upper richmond road and um we used to have supper together quite quite often and I told her I'd become a Christian and she sort of her jaw dropped and um, uh, she, she'd been praying for all her nephews and nieces all, all her life. And she said, I never thought it would be you. Mm. Uh, because in fact, I was, you know, we were the broken down family and, uh, and um, you know, we were trouble, I suppose. So, mm. But uh, an encouragement that, there was no doubt in her mind that at least one of you would. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> her no, prayers I, would be answered. No, I think she she was hugely encouraged. I remember when she was dying, and, and I, I was with her uh, a day or two before she died. And I, you know, I was a I was a Christian then, and I, and I, I mean, I, perhaps I shouldn't have, but I said, you know, do you still believe in Jesus? And, and this was right on her deathbed, and she said in a sort of really annoyed voice of course i do <laughs> which was a which was yeah super actually it, yeah. It, it was very encouraging to see this face even in the in in the valley of the shadow of death now of course you you have been working in finance for some years very successful how did your approach to your work 
uh, change having become a Christian? Well, it was interesting. I suppose in the beginning, I mean, you know, the whole focus of the city is, you know, doing deals and making money, that sort of thing. And I was a copper trader. I became one of the world's leading copper traders, really. And um, I used to think about the Lord. I was commuting in from Buckinghamshire then and think about the Lord on the train and walking along the street. And, you know, at the moment I got into the office, I'd forget it and just, you know, be working and making money. And then slowly, slowly, you know, going to St. Helens, going to prayer meetings, reading the Bible, you know, being with other Christians, slowly, it, it, it you know, what one changed. I mean, what did change immediately was I stopped swearing. I mean, and I thought to myself, why, why am I swearing? And particularly using the words like God. I mean, I thought, well, you know, that, 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 that was fairly easy. And then um, the Lord started teaching you one's concern about other people and hearing. But um, the, the interesting thing in the city, there was the drinking you know the lunches the the drinking that 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 sort of stopped um but also the whole area on honesty and 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 trustworthiness um that, i mean much of the world today we we behave according to the laws that that, that we set ourselves those are the parameters the city is often a place you've got lots of lawyers exploring the parameters of whether you can go on the other side of them whereas a mm. christian you know you want to you, you want to do good um and you um you your rules are, are, are much tighter than that so mm. for instance we, we were trading with china a lot and there were often you know in, in those days you know we we would sell copper to china and they would say well could you um, invoice us at $100 a ton higher and pay this $100 somewhere else, you know? And I mean, those, those sort of things in the 70s and the 80s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just, it was, it was so easy. It was much easier as a Christian to say, no, sorry, no, we don't do that. And mm -hmm. if you're going to trade with, with us, you, you have to do it correctly. Both board, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, th there was that, that that great shift in and, and help. Um, one also raised one's profile as a Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, I would give talks, would, and learning the the value of family. You mm -hmm. know, there's so many gods in the city. You you bow down to the corporate god, the money god, uh, the the competition god. You, you know, all these gods. You and you so you go in early, you come home late. Hmm. And uh, you sacrifice your wife and children on the on the altars of, of of the city gods, and I would, you know, I learned to say no to the city, and it never harmed me, hmm. you know. So, and, and encouraged other Christians to do so, and and to teach the value of, you know, families. I saw so many men that were retired that they died within six months. And there were their wives that really looking forward to retirement. It was so sad. You know? A mucky business with Tim Farron. We're talking with Conservative peer, Lord Michael Farmer. Um, Michael, you talked just at the end there a moment ago about families and about relationships. 
you were appointed to the House of Lords. Um, and since you're, you've been in, in the Lords, you have focused very much upon um, the value of committed relationships in various different places. Tell me a little bit about the work that you've done on those issues. Um, well, to begin with, when I came into the Lords, which was in 14, 2014, I, you know, I was, I'm getting on in life. And, um, you know, actually, I, I, I sort of was financially successful when I, particularly when I was about 60. Well, when you're 60, you actually, the good thing the Lord does to you at that age is remind you of your mortality. And, um, you know, one of my verses is, my favorite verses is, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may have a heart of wisdom. And I got that from Psalm 90, Moses Psalm. And so it suddenly occurred to me, well, you know, I have money, et cetera. And, um, and, and, then, and then I entered the Lords so nine years later. So I was quite old. And if the Lords is a quite intimidating place, there's all these good and great people there. Uh, and who am I? And, um, and, and there's all these processes and etiquettes and the way you talk to one another, et cetera, et cetera. Very daunting. So it's easy not to do anything. But I thought, well, I have a chance to speak as a Christian. And um, so I prayed that Lord would give me help. And in fact, I've been working with the Center for Social Justice and I knew somebody there, Dr. Samantha Callum, who worked, who, who actually developed this report for them, Breakdown Britain, which was about the breakdown of family life in Britain and how we were near the bottom of the OECD league in, in family breakdown. Um, and, um, uh, you know, she, she was very much involved in that. And in the end, she's come and uh, been employed by me as my sort of parliamentary advisor because she knows Westminster, she knows how it works, and she knows a lot of the people in, in the various departments of government, which is very, very useful. Um, so that, the, you know, the, the, the days and the years that the Lord, Lord gives me awards um, can be effective and so uh, if you want to ask something you know. well I was going to ask you really about the in particular the work because you were obviously involved very much in looking at the experience of male prisoners and then two years later as female prisoners yeah. one of the things that you and, and and their their relationships had a huge bearing you discovered on whether yeah. they re-offended well we were we were going around every department of government saying you know what are you doing about families? Mm. And when we got to the MOJ, it was the MOJ, Minister of Justice, who said, well, we've got the statistics, says that uh, men, prisoners who receive family visits are 39% less likely to reoffend than those mm. who don't. And so it cut it short. They said, why don't you do a review on how to strengthen mm. prisoners' family relationships? So Samantha and I said we would, as long as it was backed by the MOJ and indeed the government. And then we we had a we had an advisory board. We had ex prisoners. We had governors. We had uh, MOJ officials. Had the charity sector. We had everybody there, and we visited a lot of prisons. And um, we we made about twenty recommendations. Uh, but we doing the the review was very much can the government do this? Is it working with the grain of government? Can, can the Ministry of 
justice do it. And, and in the end, we produced a review which they said they would do every recommendation, and that's what they're doing. And one of our recommendations is that we would have an Im implementation group, which is um, what I chair even now, sort of five years later. And you're also involved, aren't you, in the design group for looking at social care um, uh, yeah. young, young people. Am I right in saying that one of the alarming findings that you made was that something like a quarter of all those people in prison had come out of the out of being in care? Yeah, well, that, 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 that's exactly right. And I mean, I myself, my sister were near to going into social care at one stage. I know we, it was considered. And it, I mean, I think one of the marks of the social care system is that you, you can be cut off from anybody who really cares. I mean, the state cares in as much as it provides, you know, health and housing and schools and everything else, but there isn't somebody there all the time. And so you, you end up having um, I mean, no committed relationships. I, I mean, I could mm -hmm. tell a little, little story. The government's chief care officer was a Scotsman, and he 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 was in care. And at one stage, he was moved from you know care home to care home. <clears throat> and one time, he smashed the place up when he was about fourteen. And uh, he he, uh, he then got his plastic bag and he put all his stuff in it, and he was called. To the chap who's running it you know and um so he's called in and, and and the man said to him why have you got your plastic bag and he said well i've got all my goods in it you you're going to send me somewhere else aren't you he said where are you going this is your home and that sentence saved him just he smashed the place up but it was still his home and and they were still caring for him I and mean, it's a it's a little example but you know, things like Lifelong Links, which is a charity where uh, you try and establish contacts with these children that, that, that have been there at the beginning and are prepared to carry on for life. It, it, the importance of relationships and family relationships, it's, it's just, it's so important to society, to a happy society, to an to a effective and productive society. Um, we, we try and persuade every department of government, not least the Treasury, that mm. actually um, family breakdown, what does it do? It, it means people get on social welfare, people are in prison, people are in the care system, all, all costs to the estate. Michael, you're very clear to me, um, your faithfulness. You, you, you've been a, a great friend and supporter to me. I'm really, really grateful to you personally and well, an encouragement to all of us. And it's superb to see someone using the position they've got in the House of Lords to do such such good and do it in the Lord's name. Thanks for yeah. encouraging us all this morning. Well, thank you, Tim, and thank you for your friendship. Each week, we answer a question from you, the listener, about how Christianity and politics can work together. Maybe you're thinking through a particular issue or you're not sure why people disagree on a certain policy. If you've got a question please write it in in an email to farron at premier.org.uk. Well, this week, Marius in Nuneaton has been in touch. Hello. My question for Tim Farron, what do you think the relationship between the church and the state 
should be. Thank you. Well, I tend to think that the church and state should be separate. I don't think that we legislate to make people be Christians and having an established faith can sometimes make people wrongly assume that they're Christians just because, well, we're British, aren't we? That might have been a mistake I fell into when I was a, a younger person. I don't think, however, it would be right to remove uh, the Church of England as the established church and then replace it in practice with something else, namely atheism. I tend to think that we have formally an established religion in this country, Anglican Christianity, but in reality, effectively, secularism or atheism even is the, um, the state religion. There's the assumption of many in politics and in public life is that people just don't have a faith at all, that they don't believe in God, and that therefore is the base on which decisions are made. I think that's just as wrong. Absence of belief is not neutral. There is no neutral. And so I think having a mature understanding of the fact that a plural society will actually be quite um, awkward. Uh, lots of people believe in different things and all of them having the right to do so. Obviously, we believe Christianity to be true. And so whilst I do think that we should disestablish the Church of England for that reason, I also can't deny the good that it does by having a church present in most communities and the ability still to feed the gospel in in places that wouldn't hear it otherwise. So in principle, I oppose the establishment of the Church of England. In practice, I value it. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Well, let's draw together in prayer as we finish this week. Our loving Heavenly Father, we want to really thank you for Lord Michael Farmer. I thank you for uh, his story of faithfulness and trusting in you and turning his life around with uh, entirely the guidance of your spirit. And we thank you, Lord, for his work and the work of others in seeking to support and build relationships, particularly those within family. Thank you for the new family hubs um, and a reminder that uh, Christians can have a real impact, a positive impact uh, on our public life and the life of families up and down this country by doing the right things and taking practical action. So we're going to pray for our, our party leaders, our members of parliament, our lords in this country, that you give them wisdom in the coming days uh, as they wrestle with the obvious issues in the news at the moment. Um, uh, issues of integrity uh, and trust and uh, and whether or not we have um, leadership in this country that is um, that which is is right. Lord, we pray for wisdom and we pray for clarity. We pray that we'd help us, that you'd help us to make right decisions when it comes to tackling the cost of living crisis and our relationship with Russia uh, over Ukraine and other places as well. May you bring peace May you bring wisdom. Um, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please don't forget that you can catch up on all the shows which have included interviews with party leaders, former government ministers and MPs from all the major parties. Just search for Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premierchristianradio.com forward slash a mucky business. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.